How's it going guys? Miguel here from CFS Recovery. In this video, I'm going to be talking about what to do when you're scared to move. And this is undoubtedly the hardest place to be in recovery, but it's not impossible to get through. And I know this for a fact because I was once in that place. If you look over to my right here, you're going to see that I was once in a hospital. I was once completely bedridden. And there was a time when I literally couldn't even lift my arm off the bed because I would feel shooting pain in my body. So when you're in that state, let's just kind of paint a picture here. And uh, you know, this, this might be kind of hard to hear. So just skip ahead you know, about two minutes if you don't want to hear this. But basically the way you actually end up there is your body gets into this downward spiral. You know, so it usually starts out when people get this, they'll have some symptoms then they'll be terrified of the symptoms. And of course, who wouldn't be, right? You feel like you're dying. And then you end up going from doctor to doctor to doctor and they're saying, yeah, you're fine, you're fine. Tests are normal, scans are normal, blood tests, you're fine on paper, but really you're not fine. So that leads you to being even more fearful because what if you have an undiscovered illness? What if you need to go fly across the country and go see this specialist for some extremely rare disease that most doctors don't know? So all these questions go through your mind which puts you into a complete fight or flight mode. So what happens is as your anxiety and fear increase, you feel more symptoms. The more symptoms you feel, the more anxiety you have. The more anxiety you have, the more symptoms you have. And it becomes this thing where they're just amplifying each other. And that's how you get into the downward spiral. And people usually end up completely bedridden and terrified to move when that gets so out of control that even standing up is terrifying. And there are a lot of people in the program who were terrified to stand up or let alone even, not even stand up, but sit up out of bed. There's been a lot of people we worked with where all we focused on was just having them sit up for 30 seconds, like a few times per day. That's what we focused on. So their starting point was very low. Now, the only way I can describe this is it feels like you're lying down and you're stuck in an invisible cage. There is an invisible cage around you that if you move too much, it like electrocutes you. You know, because to be bedridden at that point, you either have, you definitely have tons of fatigue, but you also likely have a lot of pain in your body, which is stopping you from moving. If you don't have pain, maybe it's just the fatigue that also happens as well. But when people are at a point where they really can't function and move around or even roll over in bed, it's typically because they have both the fatigue and the pain along with maybe 30 or 40 other symptoms. And I've been there. Just know that you can get out, but that's what it essentially feels like. You're in an invisible cage and it also has that feeling of claustrophobia, which that doesn't help at all, right? It's like being stuck in quicksand, but it's invisible, right? Or somebody turned the gravity up. So just understand that progressing through the stage is not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty. You have to handle the symptoms the best you can, and it ain't going to look pretty. I remember when I moved from being in a hospital bed in ICU for about a month, they moved me to another wing in the hospital and... I just started sitting up in a wheelchair. I was terrified. And it was one of those things where I don't think there's any way around it but to go through it. So breaking out of the stage will be very uncomfortable. And the truth is you will never be ready for the next steps. You will never be ready to sit up out of bed. You'll never be ready to sit up in a chair for one minute at a time because your mind is in a very, it's gonna be in a fragile place. So when I started sitting up in a wheelchair, just sitting up, I would feel my whole body pulsing and vibrating and shaking. I felt like there was an earthquake. I got nauseous. My heart rate was probably like 130 or 140. I completely got rid of my heart rate tracker at that point. My heart rate would go through the roof just sitting up. And I would also have shortness of breath. But the thing is, 
you have to learn to separate yourself from those physical symptoms. There's a difference between feeling that adrenaline rush physically in your body and emotionally and also cognitively. So I was able to become an observer of my body. And even though it felt like there was a war going on inside me, mentally, I just had to listen to all the things my doctor said and just really tell myself, this is just the nervous system. It is just the nervous system. Miguel, you're not gonna die. If you're gonna die, it would have happened a long time ago. My biggest fear before would be that my lungs would just shut down. And it's happened a few times where, you know, it shifts from you just automatically breathing like a normal person to you having to like manually take breaths. That's how you know you're in really bad fight or flight mode. So you need to pull your mind into different neural pathways by doing something of equal or greater stimulus. So I think what really helped me get out of that state of being terrified to move was moving, sitting up, even though I had crazy symptoms through the roof, I was talking to people in the hospital. I was eating whatever food they had in the hospital and I was just really focusing on that. They would give us like these cookies and stuff and I would take like 30 minutes to eat one small cookie because I really had to focus my attention elsewhere or else automatically it's gonna go down those neural pathways of panic, of pain, and your body can only process so many things at once. So you have to challenge the symptoms that you're feeling with another stimulus that you can handle. So a lot of times, you know, the problem I see is people try to sit up, but then they'll just sit there and do nothing because they're just dealing with the symptoms. It's much easier to sit up while you're listening to good music or sit up while you're talking to someone and having an enjoyable conversation. You need to have that other kind of stimulus happening in the moment. So for me, it was munching on food throughout the day and talking to people because both of those things were really positive places for my mind or else naturally your mind will gravitate towards fear and panic no matter what you do. So you need to do something as you're, you're expanding this activity. So going from completely bedridden to even sitting up for two minutes at a time, which is where a lot of people start in the program, you have to be doing it alongside with something that's joyful, something positive that's waking up those neural pathways in your brain because it literally is a physical thing going on in your brain. You know, we talk a lot about mindset on this channel. A lot of people have probably told you just think positive, think better. Yes, that's part of it. But if you were to actually take a microscope and look at your brain, there's actual physical change happening. And right now, if we were to take a scan of somebody who has CFS, who's always crashing, who's completely terrified to move because their symptoms are through the roof, you would see areas in their brain that are lighting up that are specifically designed for fear, for protection, for survival, for fight or flight. All of these areas in the brain, they're completely overactive. So those areas of the brain are, in terms of activity level, they're up here. All the other areas of your brain for calmness, for enjoyment, for positivity, for relaxation, those are completely underactive. So it's a complete different balance of where your brain is sending its energy to. All the energy goes to those areas in your brain that process those things. So what we wanna do is get it back into balance. And we start by doing things that you enjoy, doing things that you know, bring positivity so that we can at least try to match the level of you know, the fear that you're feeling, the level of fear and getting your brain out of that survival mode. So it's a very physical thing that's happening. So in a nutshell, Basically what I'm trying to say is when you're trying to do more things and trying to break out of this invisible shell and you feel like you can't move, just know that it's gonna be difficult. You have to literally break through that place. You, there's no way around it. You can't just wait until you feel better because you know how that works, right? That's the whole reason you're watching my channel because you've tried waiting, you've tried doing other things and the symptoms seem to just stick around. So sometimes, especially in that place where you're completely bedridden and you just feel wrecked, 
you have to go through those symptoms and it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's the only way through. If I had stayed in that hospital bed in ICU and they never forced me to sit up in that wheelchair, I would probably still be sick. There was no way out. And I'm not saying I did it in one day. I think the first time I did it, I was knocked out for about a week. You know, it was really bad. Then I remember I was pretty pissed at the nurse and I saw her as like the most evil person ever because one day she just rolled up in the ICU or rolled up a wheelchair to my bed. She's like, all right, Miguel, you're sitting up. You sit there. And it was rough. It was really bad. So the first time I, I failed horribly at it. It took me out for about a week. Then I did it again a week later in ICU. And this is before I knew any of this information. So I'm just going off on a whim. This nurse told me to sit in the chair. I don't have a choice. She's getting mad at me. And she was even telling me, I was in ICU, hooked up to IVs and everything. She was like, all your tests are normal. Why are you still here? You're taking up valuable space that other sick people can use. So I was like, this lady is nuts. Like she, she doesn't get it. I feel like I'm dying and she's just forcing me to sit in a chair. She doesn't realize that me sitting in a chair is gonna make me feel horrible for the next 48 hours. But in hindsight, she was doing the right thing. Now, it was completely different when I moved to the other wing. I met my doctor and he explained everything that was happening. Well, when I sat up in the chair after that, it was a completely different experience mentally. So physically, it was the exact same experience I had prior. It, horrible symptoms flaring up. Well, I don't wanna say horrible because we don't wanna put labels on the symptoms. It was just very intense symptoms. But my experience of it was totally different because instead of feeling like I was dying and thinking I was dying, well now, I just knew it was my nervous system trying to recalibrate itself. And I knew that this was a necessary part of the process. So let's take for example, here's an analogy. If someone's trying to work out and they say they're completely out of shape, Right, that's comparable to where we are right now in CFS. They go to a gym and they work with a personal trainer. I guarantee you, and I know this because I used to be a personal trainer, no matter what we do, the first two or three sessions, that person is gonna feel completely sore. And it could be the easiest things ever. It could be holding a plank for 15 seconds, right? So someone working a normal desk job most of their life, we get them to do a plank for 15 seconds, we get them to do five bodyweight squats and maybe 20 push-ups right? Knee push-ups, And we do three rounds of that. That alone will make that person feel more wiped out than someone who's been going to the gym and been working out, you know, five days a week for an hour a day. The person who just started is going to feel worse than that person doing a hundred times the activity. But that only lasts for a few workouts. So there's always this adaptation period when people start working out. They're going to get really, really sore. Their body's going to resist it. That's exactly what's happening here. If you've been bedridden for a long time, and a long time could, that's relative. It could be a few weeks, could be a few months, could be a few years for some of you watching this. But sitting up is gonna be the hardest task you ever do. Stepping outside your house is gonna be the hardest task you ever do. To sum this video up, one, just understand that this is the most difficult part of recovery. And just know that it gets easier from here. It won't always be this hard. You know, the first month of symptoms after I met my doctor and I was moving from being completely bedridden to being in a wheelchair to being in a walker to walking on my own two feet again that was legitimately the hardest stage so that first month month and a half after that everything was way way easier like it wasn't a cakewalk but it was significantly easier so if you're in this place right now just know that this is the hardest it's going to get right and you're only going to go up from here so that's number one just know that this is the most difficult stage it won't always be this hard for the entire time throughout your recovery number two breaking out of the stage kind of ties into my first point but it's going to be extremely uncomfortable you will feel a lot of very intense symptoms but the only way to get out of the stage is going through that there's no way around it 
You can't wait this thing out. You can't rest your way through this. Your body is stuck in the state and you need to force it out of that state. So that's number two, it's gonna be very uncomfortable. Number three, when you are trying to pull yourself out of this state, you need to have other stimulus that brings joy and positivity as you're doing these things. Whether it's talking to people, whether it's listening to really good music, and when I say music, obviously don't listen to something like Metallica or Slayer or some heavy metal or techno thing because that's obviously going to amp up your nervous system. Listen to something like acoustic music. Listen to some like nice R&B or something more chill, you know, something that doesn't get you too stimulated, but at least brings positivity to you. So music is a great thing, you know, painting, coloring, drawing, watching funny YouTube videos, you know, or when it comes to YouTube videos, it's not always the best to watch it all day because that can actually be too stimulating for you. And there's actually a video I made up here, which is called The Silent Killer of Progress and Recovery, which talks about the cell phone usage and how most people, they're, they're on screens way too much and that's actually hindering your growth. But you want to introduce joyful and positive things when you're in the state, especially when you're in the state, because you need to challenge your patterns of thinking, your automatic reactions to certain things with something of equal or greater stimulus. So challenge all that fear, all that fight or flight, that those survival feelings with something just as positive. Something I used to do as well is have a Jolly Rancher in my mouth or like a lollipop because that's something you could take about an hour to go through it, but that taste brings that much joy and distraction from the other symptoms. It's something for your brain to really focus on. So I hope this helps. I hope you got a lot of value out of this video and just know that if you're in a place right now where you're terrified to move, just know that that is completely normal. I was in that place. All the coaches in the Recovery Jumpstart program, they've been in that place as well. And there's people in the program who literally feel that way right now and we're working them through that. I can't tell you how many times people have come into the program and even on the initial application call, they can't even sit up or they're terrified to get out of bed and someone has to literally hold a laptop up for them. That, that's very common for people with CFS. So they are getting better. And if you wanna to listen to all of the recovery stories, you can actually click the link up here, which will lead to a playlist where you can hear people talk about their experience with this because a lot of people have been in your shoes. They're terrified to move and they can't even remember what it's like to walk again. They can't even remember what it's like to feel normal, but just know that all of that will come back. Now, as always, we do a subscriber highlight comment of the day. And today it is from Lynn Contic. She says, I appreciate you suggesting that we write those negative thoughts down because mine have been rolling around in my head and I've been too afraid to even face them. And this is for my video called Solving the Biggest Roadblock in Your Recovery, which talks about how people have their kryptonites in recovery. Certain things will bother you and hold you back more than others. Whether it's a symptom or a thought or belief, you need to identify what those are or else they will stand as big roadblocks in your recovery. And without solving those things, you will probably stay stuck. So you want to address them sooner than later. I really appreciate you suggesting that we write those negative thoughts down because mine have been rolling around in my head and I've been too afraid to even face them. I struggle with feeling like I'm so completely different than everyone else because I'm so dehydrated inside and I have no saliva for tears. My body doesn't want to process nutrients from my foods and I'm malnourished, which is freaking me out. I believe these are related to the vagus nerve and sympathetic nervous system, but I just can't figure out how to get into the rest and digest mode. I wish there was a blueprint. Well, I actually have a blueprint, which you can find up here. If you click on this link, it's called a recovery science blueprint, where I break down exactly the principles I followed in order to get better. If you stick to those blueprint principles, then you will be getting better. But yes, it's very important to write down these negative thoughts, like I said, because without identifying what the roadblocks are, you know, those things will continue to hinder your growth and recovery. So hope you enjoyed this video. Hope you got a lot of value out of it. If you did want to apply for the Recovery Jumpstart program and get extra help 
from coaches where we work one-on-one -on -one with you alongside your situation, come up with a customized implementation plan and really just walk you through what exactly you need to do in recovery. And you wanna be part of a community of individuals just like yourself who are on this journey, but they are solution focused then hit the link down below. You can apply to the Recovery Jumpstart program. We're always looking for people whose lives we can change. So if you did enjoy this video, hit that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, and also hit that notification bell so YouTube lets you know anytime we put out content, we put out tons of content. But like I said, hope you enjoyed this video. Remember, you are a thriver and you are just one mind shift away from living a life with thriving health. I'll see you in the next video.